Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we're looking at the whole issue of the wilderness and the wilderness is a place where things are revealed, where truth is revealed. And when you think about you and I as we go through the wilderness experiences of our lives, there are things that are revealed about who we are, the things that we don't like, things that we do like, things that are strengthened, things, weaknesses that are revealed. And usually a lot of times our weaknesses are revealed. And a lot of times the biggest struggle for you and I is wondering, does God really understand what we're going through or what we're facing? If you remember last week, we looked at the whole issue of Jesus and the introduction of Christ as Luke presents him. He wants to help us, have us understand the issue of identification, that he does relate to us. He does understand what's going on with us because he was fully human, but yet fully God. And so Luke's going to continue that as he looks at the wilderness experiences. He's going to move over into chapter 4. And he's going to talk about something that happened to Jesus while he was in the wilderness, while he was fasting, and that was the fact that he was tempted by Satan. And we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus today in the wilderness. Now you say, now why is that so important? Because every one of you here, including myself, faces temptation. We are tempted numerous times during the day. We are tempted throughout our lives. There is not a moment in which you are not tempted to sin, to do wrong. And it is a continual struggle and a continual battle. In fact, one of the blessings of knowing that we're going to be with Jesus later on and that when we go to be with him, one of the blessings it is for me is to know that that battle will be over. There won't be any more temptations. There won't be any more struggle with our sin. And when you fall to temptation and when you do sin, you often feel alone, don't you? And you wonder, does he really understand? Does he really care? Well, Luke is going to show us, and the whole aspect of Jesus identifying himself with us, he's going to show us the temptation of Jesus. And that just as we are tempted, he was tempted, but yet without sin. He didn't sin. So let's look at the temptations of Jesus today. We're in chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13, and then we're going to ask God to show us some things that maybe we can apply to our lives. Verse 1, the writer Luke writes, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The temptation of Jesus. What does this mean for you and I? So let's look at a couple things here. Actually, we're going to see nine different things out of this passage that will help us to understand the issue of temptation in our lives. We're going to see, first of all, what the temptations are with Jesus, and we're going to see how he responds. And as we look at how he responds, you and I can maybe glean something from it as we face the temptations in our lives. First of all, the first thing I want you to see about the temptations of Jesus is that the testing was initiated by the Spirit. The testing was initiated by the Spirit. Look with me at verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days. So the first thing I want you to see is is that the, the temptations that are going on, God allows them to happen in our lives as tests. So you're constantly being tested. You thought when you graduated from school or you got that diploma or, or it was summer and you thought, man, it's over. I'm done with the tests. I'm done with the learning. No, no. See, here's the thing. Your faith is continually being tested about what you believe in God and what you hold to. And you are continually being tested. And the Spirit initiates tests, temptations in your life for the purpose of what? Growth. So here's Jesus. He's being led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And while he's there, he's being tempted. So the first thing I want you to see is, is that God allows the temptations to happen in our lives. They're initiated by him. Now, James will tell us later, so that you don't misunderstand, James will tell us later in chapter 1 that no one can say they are tempted by God. That is, that God led me into the sin I'm in. No, God doesn't cause you to sin. He goes on in James and says it was your desires which was then manifested in action which ultimately led to sin which then led to death. It was you responding in a wrong way to the natural temptations around you. In fact, the next thing I want you to see here is that temptations are common to all men. Temptations are common to all men. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. He starts off with a warning. He says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stand, take heed lest he falls. So, just in case you think you're doing okay, you need to be... That you're not doing that great, because if you don't watch yourself, you could fall. Because here's why. Look at what he says, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. So when we look at this, okay, what does that got to do with Jesus? Because when Jesus, I haven't been tempted lately to make anything and make stones into bread. How many of you have been tempted to turn a stone into bread? None of us. But I want you to see something though. The temptation that Jesus faced fall into three types of temptations. 
And the temptations that he faces are the same types of temptations that we face. What do you mean the temptations that we face and the types of temptation? John tells us in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, he says, Do not love the world as the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, now listen to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Here's, here's what he's saying. Basically, temptations fall into three different categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And see, this is what we see happening here with Jesus. We see three temptations, and they fall into that same category. So, for instance, turning stones into bread, the lust of the flesh, because he's hungry. When he's shown the splendors of all the kingdoms of the world and saying, you could have this for yourself, what's that? The lust of the eyes. When he's taken to the pinnacle and he's placed on the pinnacle and so just throw yourself down, they'll worship you because the angels will catch you and, and they'll acknowledge you and, and worship you for that. What's that? Pride of life. Prominence. Prominence. In fact, you could really bring them down into three Ps. Pleasure, possession, and prominence. Pleasure, possession, and prominence. And aren't those the things that we face all the time? We, we are faced with, so for instance, ladies, it's getting to be that time of the year again. Two weeks from now, it's Valentine's Day. So when you go to Walmart, they got that big section there filled with what? Chocolates. That's a temptation, isn't it? Now some of you say, I'm okay, I can handle it. Well, that's not your temptation. But for some of you, it is your temptation. So for me, it's getting in a vehicle, driving by the golden arches. That's a temptation. That's a temptation. Now for you, it's not a temptation. You couldn't care less. But it fits in those three categories. And listen, the things that happen, the temptations that we face are common to us. So when we look at Jesus, see, here's the thing. I want you to understand something. Here's what Luke is doing. As he's showing us that Jesus is being tempted, he's showing us that Jesus identifies with who? Us. See, he knows exactly what you're facing. He knows exactly with what you're dealing with on a daily basis. See, because you and I are facing the same temptations daily. Daily. And so let's go through those temptations here with us. First of all, I want you to notice verse 3. Satan comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, because look, Satan is testing his identity here. He's really testing to see, is this really the Messiah? First of all, I think he knows it is the Messiah. You say, how do you know that? Well, because when you see the demons later who come in contact with him, they refer to him as what? The Son of God. But he's wanting to tempt Jesus to do something else here. And so here's what he's doing. Jesus is tempted to satisfy his physical needs. Jesus is tempted to satisfy his physical needs. Because listen, he's been fasting for 40 days. He has been living in the wilderness without any food for 40 days. Now I can almost guarantee you he had water because the human body cannot survive without water for 40 days. So he's not had substance. He's not had food for 40 days. So if you've not had food for 40 days, you can almost guarantee you that you're what? Hungry. And so Satan comes to him and says to him, look, all you've got to do, if you're the Son of God, all you've got to do is just speak the Word and that rock will become bread and you'll be okay. He's, what he's doing is, is that 
here he is, he's being led by the Spirit, he's filled by the Spirit, he's being led to fast for 40 days, and so he's going to tempt him to satisfy himself by his own means. Doesn't that sound like the temptations that we face too? We are tempted continually to take matters into our own hands to satisfy our own needs all the time, are we not? And this is how Jesus responds. Look at this is the next point I want you to see. Jesus says it's more important to trust God's word. Look at what he says here. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, you know, a lot of times when you look at that and say, man, well, reading the Bible sure doesn't take care of the hunger pangs. That's not the point he's making here. And I've heard some speakers talk about that there is a satisfaction that comes from reading the word that will sustain you. That's not what he's talking about here either. When he talks about living by the word of God, what's he talking about? He's talking about trusting what God's Word says concerning you. What does God's Word say concerning you? Well, He'll provide your needs. He'll watch over you. He didn't say say your wants. He'll give you grace and He'll give you strength. He maybe tells you in His Word how not to respond or not to do this, but to trust Him. And see, here's the thing. You and I are continually tempted to take matters into our own hands. Listen to me. Take matters into our own hands rather than living by what God's Word tells us to do. We'll respond the way He tells us to. See, this is the temptation here. The temptation for possession, for pleasure, for satisfaction in our lives. Here, so you listen to I want you to listen to me. That's the temptation. To Satan is coming to Jesus and saying, look, you could just take care of this on your own. Jesus responds to him and says, it's more important rather than satisfying my physical needs, but to live by His Word. See, it's more important for you and I to grasp that as you're facing that temptation to, to handle pleasure in your life. Let me just be real here. Guys, gals too, because this happens with gals, I'll just be very frank. We live in a sexual, sensual society that says if you've got a physical need, you just go ahead and fulfill it. doesn't matter. And God's Word says don't. Find fulfillment within your marriage. The world says, chuck your marriage. Just go ahead and do it. Everybody's doing it. You might as well do it. That's the temptation, isn't it? We face it, don't we? And Satan says what? Go ahead. It's in your power. So you can turn stones into bread. Figuratively, not literally. But you need to respond as Jesus responded and say what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You're going to live your life by the Word of God. And that's what he's saying. It's more important to trust God. That's the first temptation. Here, notice the second temptation. Jesus is tempted to take the world's splendor. This is the, this is the temptation of possession. You want it, baby? Take it! Satan takes him to the top of a mountain and he shows them, whether it's through a vision or whatever, he shows them all of the kingdoms of the world. And, and notice something, he says, these I give you, these belong to me. And notice Jesus didn't argue with him about them belonging to him. So there's a theological point I want you to understand here, is that the God of this world is who? Satan. And the kingdoms of this world, even the nations of the world, even this nation doesn't belong to God, it belongs to who? Satan. And so he's tempted. He says, look, if you just worship me, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. It'll be all yours. All of it will be yours. See, and you and I are tempted for that too. Possession. If we just do this, if you just sign this line, you can have it. 
You can have it. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what Jesus did. He brings it right back around, back from the Word of God, and look at what he says. Look at what he says there. Get behind me, Satan. So he's, he's telling Satan, get away from me. What is it? For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Your reason for existence isn't you. Why? Because here's what he says. Glory, glory belongs to God alone. It's not about you. See, Jesus has got a greater perspective. It isn't about Him getting the kingdoms and when He'll get it. Because He's going to get the kingdoms anyhow. What does Paul later say? That what every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father? What? He is going to be ruler anyhow. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything's going to belong to Him anyhow. But the way for Him to get it is through the cross, not through worshiping Satan. And the cross brings glory to who? God. See, life right now... See, here's the thing. You are here today breathing air, thinking about the game, and here you are, saved, but it's not for you. It's for Him. And your life and its existence now isn't for you and what you want and what you've got to have. Boy, we've got it so messed up, don't we? We've been worshiping at the idol of materialism so long that we've forgotten what's really true. We've been worshiping at, if I can only have this, and if I can only have that, and if I can only have this, I'll be happy. And have you noticed we're not happy? We get it. We're not happy. In fact, here we are, unhappy with a whole lot of stuff. Because we're seeking it for ourselves. And that's not where happiness is found. Happiness is found in giving glory to who? God. He alone deserves it. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. That's the temptation for possession. The lust of the eyes. And just when you think you've got it under control, somebody drives by and something you wish you were driving in. Or, have you noticed? I was talking to somebody this week. They told me they're not going to the grocery store. They're sending somebody else because, what? Their eyes. Walmart is a dangerous place. You know? Oh my, look at that candy bar. So, here's my point. Glory belongs to Him. And then there's a final temptation. And this is a temptation a lot of us face. Even some of you here, and you may say, I'm not facing that temptation. Jesus was tempted to seek prominence. Jesus was tempted to seek prominence. Here's what Satan does. Satan takes him to the top of the pinnacle. Now, if you're in Jerusalem and you see the Temple Mount, the Temple was built on top of a hill so at the highest most point of the temple when it existed, Satan took him there and said, look, all you've got to do is just cast yourself down. The scripture says that the angels will take care of you. They'll not allow you to be hurt. And everybody will see it and they'll say, oh, wow, Woo! look at him. And we'll worship you. And they'll follow you. Prominence. Now here's the thing. The interesting thing is, is that all of that stuff will happen. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everyone will acknowledge Him in that day. But the path to it was the cross. Not throwing Himself off a temple. And so, the temptation is prominence. And here's how Jesus is. Jesus says to Him, look at what He says to Him. He says, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What's He saying here? He trusted in God's timing and plan. He trusted in God's timing 
and plan. That's a big temptation for all of us here. Let me just stop for a moment. Prominence is a big temptation for every one of you here. You say, well, not for me, George. You don't really know. I mean, I'm not seeking to be prominent. I'm not looking for a position or anything. Yeah, you're right. You maybe aren't looking for a position, but I said prominence, not a position. Because you may be seeking, if you're a mechanic, to be known as the best mechanic. Or if you're a deer hunter, the best deer hunter. Everybody looks to you and says, ooh, tell me what you're doing. Or if you're a cook, ladies, the best cook. We're having a potluck dinner. Some of you will be like, ooh, that was my dish. It's prominence. It, everyone is affected by it. It's not just the position of, oh, I don't want to, I couldn't care less about being a president. The issue is that we all seek it. But here's what is, and here's what we'll do. And a lot of times God will give you a sense of destiny of what He wants to accomplish through your life, but He's the one who gives you it. He's the one who will bring it about. But what Satan will do, the temptation will be for you to seek it for yourself and circumvent what God wants to do. Here's what Jesus said. Don't tempt him. See the temptations? Here they are. Once again, the lust of the eyes. What's that pleasure? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, which is possession, and the pride of life, which is prominence. And Jesus faced those temptations yet without sin. The final thing I want you to see about these temptations is this. And this is a reality that you and I have to grasp is that when he was done with the temptations and Jesus did not give in to them, the scripture tells us something very interesting. Look with me at verse 13. Look at what it says there. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And here's the reality. You need to put a star by this one. Because this is it. Satan waits for the opportune time. Listen, you may go to sleep. But you know what? He doesn't sleep. And he sought for the opportune time with Jesus again. Listen, he seeks the opportune time with you and I too. You need to be aware of it. He's very real. He's a real enemy. And just when you think you're strong, what did Paul say? Take heed lest you think you're strong, you'll fall. I heard Rick Warren say this, that Satan will oftentimes tempt us in the area of our weakness, but most often will tempt us in the area of our strength. See, we think that he will tempt us in the areas of our weakness. And he does, because we're weak there. But he will also tempt us in an area where we think we're strong. Why? Because we get too self-confident, too self-assured, that we think we're going to handle it. And the fact of the matter is, is we can't. So he'll come and attack you in your area of strength and watch you fall every time. See, okay, George, what does all of this have to do with us? Two things I want you to think about. Number one, here's the purpose of what Luke is doing and showing us the temptations of Christ. The issue with him is identification, that the Savior of the world identifies himself with you and I. So here's what he's saying. Jesus understands. See, you're facing the same three types of temptations every day. Pleasure, possession, position or prominence, you want to call it. We'll say position. Pleasure, possession, position. Pleasure, possession, position. You are tempted in the same way every day. Every day. This morning, right before the service, I was tempted with a mental game going on in one of those areas. In fact, as I got in the truck, 
I looked down at my pants, and there was junk on my pants from the outside of the truck. So I said to Lori, I said, i got to go in and change. So as I went in and I changed, and that mental temptation is going on, I said, Lord, I need your help right now. I am being tested in one of these three areas again, and I don't want to be robbed of what you want to do this morning. I need your help. And it ended. It was gone. But then, what does it say? You'll be back again. You'll be back again. See, Jesus understands. It's a war, isn't it? Listen, you need to wake up to it. We just sometimes ignore it and think, oh, it's just life. It's a war and it's a battle going on in your life. Same things. Pleasure, possession, position. Pleasure, possession, position. Continually in those areas. All the time struggling. He understands. Isn't that wonderful? See, here's the thing. This is, let me just equate it to you so that you understand what I'm talking about. So when you cry out to God and say, God, I need your help, he understands completely. So that's why Paul would later say, God is faithful and what? Will show you a way of escape. He understands. So then my question to you is, and this is the final point then, here's the question. As we look at the issue of temptations, we saw how Jesus responded to temptation. How are you responding? How are you responding? Let me help you a little bit. You are not perfect. Write this down. You are not perfect and cannot be perfect here. You are not perfect and cannot be perfect here. Now why am I telling you to write that down? Because there is no way that you can be like Jesus and turn away every temptation. So you're going to fall. Ladies, you're going to go by and you'll just say, well, if I just get this little one, I'll just test out this. You're going to fall. Temptation's going to happen. There are different levels. Here's what I want you to see. How are you responding? Because even though you know you're going to fail, so when I'm asking you this question about how are you responding, I am already under the assumption that you are going to fail because you're not perfect and you're not going to be in this life. The issue in asking you how you're going to respond, how are you responding, is to grasp what Jesus did. How did Jesus respond to Satan each and every time? With Scripture. How you respond to the fact that you're going to be tempted is to get in this and ask God to live it through you. So that when you face the temptations, yeah, there'll be times when you'll give in, but there'll be times when you'll say, no, I can't. Your word says this, and I will live by it. How are you responding? Here's what we're going to do. Pleasure, possession, position. Three Areas of temptation. For the next three weeks, we're going to look at each one of those. We're just going to take a brief break as we are right here in Luke and looking at this issue. Because let's be honest, are you, how many of you get tempted? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. Okay? And there's those three areas. Pleasure. Big one in our society. Possession, man, do we struggle there. Position. 
What does God's word say? How can we deal with it? We're going to look at that for the next three years. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.